this episode today, I'm joined by Heather McPhee Watanabe. Heather is a former two-time Olympian, two-time national champion. She had 15 World Cup podiums and spent 10 years on the U.S. ski team as a freestyle mogul skier. Heather is currently a sports and entertainment associate and financial advisor in wealth management at Morgan Stanley. In this episode, we go through and discuss Heather's career, and we touch on her athletics and after sport, the transition between sports and the business world. I hope you folks enjoy this episode. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Also, In the Arena is donating $250 on Heather's behalf to the Speedy Foundation, whose mission is to prevent suicide, support mental health education, and promote conversations to end stigma. I hope you folks enjoy. Are about to be rolling. There, there you, go. you go. There's the voice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Heather, thank you so much for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. It's great to see you virtually. <laughs> great to see you as well. I look forward to whenever it's in person again. At least we're heading that way. I know. It's nice that we're finally starting to head back to that and hopefully start to do some of these sessions like actually in person and, and everything else. So really happy yeah. to finally uh, have you on. Um, you know, you've been super influential uh, in my career, especially as a competitive athlete towards the end. And I know after you got done with sport, you were going into psychology and and kind of going down that avenue. And that's what I'm getting my degree in. You know, I get uh, I'll be mm -hmm. done this summer. So that'll be exciting. I'll finally have that piece of paper. Um, but That's it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's just one of those things that, um, I always loved our coffee chats, whether it was at Starbucks or someplace else, just kind of yeah. talking freestyle and kind of that, that mental game. And, and it is, um, it's one of those things that I just find super fascinating. It's one of the reasons I kind of started this podcast is I wanted to mm -hmm. kind of get inside some of those minds of what drives people and what, what is success to them and kind of all those different things. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time. Right. Well, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. I'm honored to uh, have been asked and I always love our conversations. So I'm sure it'll be great. So for you in your athletic career and everything else, kind of starting out for, from a young age, what was kind of that driving force and is kind of at that driving force. I feel like it, it, it stays the same, but then as you know, life changes, everything else changes and, and there are changes to it, but you're kind of always have that inner drive. And, and for you, what, what was that or what, what is that? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, right? There's so many things that change in life and even personalities evolve, all of that. We grow as we get older, but there's certain things that I think are also pretty um, stable, let's call it. Mm -hmm. And for me, from the time I can remember, I've been just personally very self-driven to improve that could be across so many different areas right so I chose you know so many people like oh or you just you know what got you into mogul skiing I think it could have been so many different things it's just what I found at that right time in my life that was something that I decided I really wanted to pour my energy into and for me I actually still evaluate this because I think it's kind of fascinating mm -hmm. that I stuck with mogul skiing because I was genuinely terrible at it. I was so bad. And so it's interesting why I stayed, but I found I actually had a pretty pivotal experience early on. This will give you a little taste into my personality of somebody saying, I really should quit because I was making them worse just by watching me. And I remember at that moment, just going, I'm going to prove you wrong. Just digging my heels in and going, Oh, you know, now I look back and I just I want to thank that person over and over again, uh -huh. because it made me dig in even, even harder and push myself. So anyway, personal self-improvement is really what drives me across all areas of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I, that's, th those comments are so influential and so important, though. You know, it's one of those light bulb moments. And you always right. hear about those across, whether it's business or athletics, and you get you know, Jordan getting cut from his basketball team. And, you know, you mm -hmm. have those, those little moments where like, okay, there's, there's two different ways you could go. You could be like, yeah, uh, right. you're, you're probably right. I should be done with this whole skiing <laughs> thing and figure something else out or right. I'll, show you, I'll show you, uh, I'll show you. Right. What. Well, and the, in those situations, it's interesting too, because you realize so many times throughout your life, who's really got your back. Mm -hmm. And that was a time for me too. When like my coach who became one of the most pivotal people in my career, Mike Papke, Mm -hmm. heard that stepped in and was like, 
do not talk to her like that. Of course she shouldn't quit. And he really, he didn't baby me by any means, but he really took me under his wing and was just, you're in my group. Like, you don't need to deal with that. And so I had this amazing opportunity of consistency with coaching because he just always put me in with him because he's like, I don't want you to be subjected to that. Um, so anyway, it's just always interesting how those situations have these you know, pros and cons, double-edged sword, I should say, of yeah. a positive and sometimes a negative as well. Yeah, it's, it, it definitely can be both a positive and a negative. And I, one, of the, one of the papers I wrote for, for school was actually touching on how much, how influential um, coaching can, can be not only on you when you're younger, but also later on in life and what mm -hmm. those, le how influential either negative or positive those lessons can be at, at a young age. Cause one of the things I always grew up with, like with my parents, my dad was always very harped on the coaching and how important and influential that was for him. And some of those lessons and things that he still carries to this day. And there's certainly mm -hmm. some that I do. I mean, you learn those values at, at a young age and it's kind of, uh, it's one of those things that I find very interesting in the fact of a lot of like recreational sports and stuff like that. You just have the hockey coach or, or random football coach. You don't really know that much about that person really, other than like through the neighbor, whoever else. And then it's like, okay, this guy's just getting the keys to my child at a very developmental age and he's going to influence him in you don't know yeah. what kind of ways. So it's kind of just one of those things I always find a, a little bit curious. And luckily yeah. for you, you had some of that, that great support from uh, Papke, such a, such an awesome guy. He's such a good such dude. Such a great guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it also, I mean, we could talk about so many different things on this, right? But one, I think then also the, the influence to remember that when you are in that coaching position, right? Like even when I would go up and coach at summer camps, you might feel kind of burnt out or you might not know the kid very well or whatever that is. But just remembering that for them, it's potentially a really pivotal experience, right? It's a time in life and who knows what their level of interest is or where they're going to go in the sport or not. It doesn't matter. It's showing up and being fully present for those kids. And I think being that really supportive, positive role model for kids is something that I just think is so fundamentally important to remember when you're coaching. And again, you're talking about coaching through the lifespan, sure. right? But I think yep. especially in those really impressionable years, you know, like you and I now we're like, okay, I know who I am. If somebody gives me some comment that I really just don't like, like, forget about it. Right. I, you're not, probably as much questioning who am I and how do I want to shape myself and you're not even consciously asking yourself those questions when you're sure. a, a kid probably but but coaches are really shaping that teachers as well obviously but anyway yeah no ab absolutely and who were so who are some of those other influences not only at a younger age but kind of throughout the your career in athletics outside of athletics you know as you moved on after that who who really kind of helped advise you or mentored you or just were super influential as you've kind of looked back and and had a chance to to reflect on athletics and where you are now yeah so I mean, I guess it doesn't go without saying, because maybe not everybody has this experience, but of course, first and foremost, my parents, right? I have incredibly supportive parents. They never pushed me, but they were very supportive. They could see my passion and they did what they could to support that, but it was very much my dream and they never made it their dream, right? So I'm very grateful for that. And even more so now, as I've seen, you know, so many different ways that that can evolve. I never had that kind of pressure. Papke for sure, my first and really, you know, most influential coach for sure. The reason I stayed in freestyle, I was this very serious little kid that came from gymnastics and he made everything playful and funny. And just even he, he helped me to not take it quite so seriously when I was really young. And I think that helped me my whole career. Then Dowling stepped in, offered me a scholarship to his program that was an absolute game changer for me. Six day a week program and the support I needed. And that's where I made the national team from. I had made, given myself an ultimatum. I mean, before that point, I was known as the girl who won training and I kept just choking under pressure. 
which then, you know, we can speak all to the to mental side too, <laughs> which is so important, right? I, I was missing that piece and Dowling saw my potential and really helped me with the consistency piece to have that training and just he's so technically sound. So that was great. And then Craig Manning, who we, of course, both know on the mm -hmm. mental side, stepping in. Uh, I started working with him after... Um, well, in 2009. So that was heading into my first Olympics, which I was a total dark horse for. And I really think that was the catalyst. That was that last thing that I needed. I was doing all the other parts. I was very focused on Hill. I had great on Hill coaching. My strength coach was phenomenal. And I was, I was doing the chopping wood and carrying water, but my yeah. mind was not in the right place. So he was really a game changer for me that way. Um, so those are the main ones. And then you know, my career and beyond, definitely my husband. I mean, he's somebody who, this maybe sounds like kind of a silly story, but it really speaks to my husband in spades is he always forgets when I'm injured. And you could either look at that as like, wow, that's really frustrating, but it's because he never thinks of me as injured or broken mm -hmm. or unable to achieve anything. And so he's just always supported me so much in that way. And sometimes that support is asking me really hard questions that maybe are things that I didn't necessarily want to face, but he sees how important it is to me. Like, for example, heading into the Sochi year, I had a big decision to make into the 2014 Olympics of, am I really going to stick to it and do these two more difficult tricks, even if that means that potentially my results won't be where I want them, but it's what I've spoken to. It's what I've committed to every single girl that I've coached for the last four years. I've been telling them this, mm -hmm. um, or am I willing to back down on my tricks and yeah. try to speak to more what the judges were looking for at that time? And he asked me that question well in advance of, you know, yeah. if, it comes to this, what are you going to choose and what are you going to be able to live with? And so I appreciate those sort of influences in my life of somebody who knows me that well and says, you're not going to want to hear this, but right. have you thought about? <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, that tough so, love and kind of, yeah. that, that, that's, that's the real love sometimes that you need. And the, this is what, this is, this is what you've been talking about and this is what you want to do. And, and it's nice some, cause sometimes, you know, I think as, as an athlete and everything else you can look at and be so stuck and just not see the forest through the trees. You're really looking at those trees mm -hmm. and you're fixated on this one issue and you're frustrated and then like, Hey, you know, there's this whole other thing out there. This is what your main goal was. You got to kind of take your lumps now and then right. a couple of years from now, whether it's like learning a new trick, I mean, that's always, at least in our sport of mogul skiing, you know, it's um, such a difficult thing because you could be at such a, a high level where you're right there and then you decide to learn this new trick and it totally messes with the complexion of your run because you're taking mm -hmm. your lumps, you're not that confident with it. And then you're slower, probably you're slower. And then you're skiing with yeah. less confidence because you're thinking about those tricks and it totally changes the complexion of your run. And it, you kind of have to take those lumps for a couple of years. And mm -hmm. then on the other end of it, you're going to be that much better because you're finally confident with it. And, and that's really right. kind of get, get through to that, that next level. But those frustrations can be, really tough so it's nice that you had have some people there that to to help you through that yeah absolutely and then with craig i mean he's so how did you find out uh, about um craig manning and fearless mind and kind of getting into that yeah so i i mean i had let's say dabbled on the mental side of sport before okay. working with Craig, I had had an opportunity just kind of in like a group session with Bridger Ski Foundation to sit okay. down with a mental strength coach. And I'd read a couple of books and nothing had fully resonated with me. Um, and it, I think it, the stigma has changed some at this point, I think. Mm -hmm. But, you know, also there was this stigma around working on your mind. It was like you were broken or something was wrong if right. you were working with a mental strength coach, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... That all segues into, so with Craig Manning, Emily Cook is a really good friend of mine and was working with Craig and it's spoken highly of him. And then our head coach at the time, Scott Rawls, even though I wasn't funded by the national team at that juncture, had offered for the team to cover for me to work with a sports psych. I mm -hmm. obviously kind of hint, hint, I think this would really serve you. Um, and we know you don't have the resources to do it. And I was actually on blank kind of offended. I was like... I'm not 
broken. I don't have anything wrong with me. I don't need to see a mental strength coach. And I was calling my mom. She's always kind of my first go-to. And I was like, can you believe, (laughs) you know, basically like the indignity and my mom, she is so amazing with words. She kind of took a deep breath. Let me like let out that emotion and vent. And then she's like, you do everything else. You work on everything else. Why wouldn't you work on your mind? And it was so, that's such a simple question. Mm-hmm. I was like, right. Why, if I work on my body so much, why wouldn't I work on the thing that moves my body? Right. Right. Yeah. Like, and it just really changed it in my mind as this potential differentiator and performance enhancer, as opposed to meaning there was something wrong. Mm-hmm. And then with Craig, so I just said, okay, well, I'll have an initial meeting and I'll see how this goes. So we met up, it was you know, July or August of that 2009 summer Mm -hmm. and sit down. And, you know, of course you're kind of general, like, tell me about yourself. Right. And so I know I started with something basically of explaining my career path and saying, I'll get there someday. And I just kind of kept saying that, like, if I just keep, keep training really hard and I just keep pushing my tricks and I just keep doing these things, I'll get there someday. And one of his first questions after I kind of, you know, pause, silence, the kind of classic meeting, he goes, when is someday? And again, so simple, but I thought, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't put a timeline on it. And that was really what started um, my exploration with Craig. And it was really this commitment to someday is now. I'm ready now and I need to own these skills, right? And so, and that's when I made that leap 27th to second in the world, got the World Cup starts Mm -hmm. and was, you know, wearing bib two at the Vancouver game. So it was just a huge difference for me, but through the national team is how I connected with Craig Manning. I mean, it's super, super, super interesting. Such a, just a slight little tweak. And I mean, so before you had, had kind of really did the full dive in and everything else, I mean, what was it like? I mean, obviously the results are 27th and everything else, but I mean, is the, was the mindset and when you're going in and actually doing the competition and the, in the training, like, was that completely different as well beforehand compared to after you started working with him or was a lot of that, like, what were kind of some of those, those changes that you started to go through? Yeah. Great question. It was pretty different. So before working with Craig, I was in a pretty fear-based state of mind, you know, that don't fall, don't mess up, don't get hurt. Um, what if I don't requalify for the team? What if I don't get funding? All the, all the bad stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And it's right. like the whole don't run into that when you're yeah. riding your bike or something and you hit the rock and you follow, yeah. you know? It's like mm-hmm. classic once you've started to look at it. So really some of the big things with Craig, so, you know, the statement was simple, but the work was every day. Mm-hmm. And really that whole thought around neuroplasticity and reworking the wiring in my brain so that my muscle memory, my habit was to go towards what can I do to have the most likely positive outcome right now, mm-hmm. right? And so I constantly, at first it was this, I had to basically like cut myself off on my thoughts of heading down all of those negative loops and really work towards that more positive and proactive approach. Mm-hmm. And at first it was exhausting and then it just became more and more my habit. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember actually, this is one of Craig's favorite stories uh, he says about working with me, but Deer Valley, as you know, is almost always, you know, one of the qualifiers for the Olympics and, mm-hmm. and a big one for us athletes since we tend to perform well there. And it's, just an amazing course, hometown crowd, all that. And I came down and Craig actually came to watch and I went down to him and I said, gosh, today, it's just not my day. I just don't feel good. And he was like, you know, again, just kind of classic, simple questions. Why? Like when it hasn't even happened yet, how, how is that determined? Right. And it ended up being this thing where, um, I basically was, it's kind of embarrassing to admit screaming at myself. I'm ready now. It's my time now. And I was like screaming that before I was competing. And that was my first World Cup podium. I won there that night. And you think about that's just a, to me, such a, you know, perfect example of the power of your mind. I obviously had the physical skills or I couldn't have stepped up to that challenge. I couldn't have risen to the occasion if you don't do the other work. But to really focus on, you know, for example, that top air, I think is 
I think it's quite intimidating at Deer Valley. I always have. It's one where if you nail that exit, I feel like the rest of the run, even though it's exhausting, is kind of right. much easier. Yeah. It only gets easier, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the whole thing was focusing on, you know, okay, it could happen. I could blow out after the top air, right? Whatever. But the most likely way I'm going to be successful is to just keep my eyes up and drive my hands. Yeah. Like it almost always comes back to basics. So it was just helping me hone in on that. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's, it's uh, simple, but so it, 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 the hard thing is the execution. I mean, it's simple yes. when you go through and you talk and I mean, a lot of the different guests and stuff that I've had on, I mean, it is about those fundamentals and those simple like little things, but then it's actually going through the process and, and doing that work and having to go through the neuroplasticity and going through that reprogramming. And it sounds super simple and just a little conversation we're having here, but the actual fact of going through and like, nope, that's a negative thought needed. That doesn't, that's mm-hmm. not the new way I'm thinking. I'm now going to, and, and to make that change. And I mean, it sounds like you were able to get a lot of belief and before, yeah. you know, you kind of had shouldered a lot of that stress and kind of the what if, and that don't do this, don't do that. And then I was like, okay, like, I, I, I am ready. I don't need to, yeah. there's no waiting on the timeline. It is now right. carpe diem. Yeah. Well, and I think that I had, and I honestly still sometimes struggle with confidence issues, right? It's kind of, I would have this, like, am I worthy of this basically? Mm-hmm. And I think that's somewhat of a fairly normal human experience. I mean, not across the globe, obviously, mm-hmm. or I should say across the board, um, not just speaking to um, geography by any <laughs> means, um, but just that whole concept. And, and what's also that balance that I feel like you're maybe always grappling with, whatever balance means, but of acknowledging and letting yourself kind of have those lows sometimes or whatever that needs to be of just feeling it and wallowing in it, let's say, mm-hmm. sure. and then going, all right, let's move on. Like, what am I working on now? Right. Because I also, I never wanted to be fake about it or sit here and say, oh, well, you know, now that I worked with a mental strength coach, I'm positive all the time. I have no confidence issues and it's just, you know, easy. (laughs) No, it's constant work. But I think it's like, I explain it kind of as anything else, like anything else, right? Like, let's say you've been out of the gym for a while. So you're kind of out of practice and out of step with it. And you're trying to figure out your routine. And, and so even that, let's say you even show up at first, it's mentally challenging on top of physically challenging. Cause you're like, okay, what do I even do? Mm-hmm. Right. You kind of need this roadmap and then you need to get used to the roadmap. And so you're thinking a little bit harder. Maybe you're thinking about form or whatever that is. And then it gets easier, muscle memory, all of that. And then you basically just to get to go in and do it. You barely have to think anymore. Right. And it can Mm -hmm. be just really fun. And so it's the same thing with any of these habit loops, right. It's, Mm -hmm. or going, wow. Okay. I'm getting kind of rusty on that one. I kind of thought I had it down and then I got a little bit lazy and stopped journaling again. And Mm -hmm. I got to pick it back up again because I'm in a new context or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. What, I mean, speaking to the journal, what, what were some of those things that you absolutely did not enjoy doing when it comes to that part of the process because whether it's in in business or um athletics or anything else there are things that you just really don't enjoy uh doing but you do it you'll suck it up and and you'll get it done i mean a lot of people will be going through and doing those workouts they just enjoy you know obviously the competitions the fit that's why we're in it to compete um or it's, you know, nailing a marketing meeting or whatever that may be. I mean, you know, um, but what, what are some of those things that you just didn't really enjoy? Was it the journaling? Was it the. Um, about my career specifically. Career, yeah. What yeah. I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to the point. I enjoyed almost all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a process in itself to get to where, you know, some of it's about surrounding yourself with those right people that help make that a really enjoyable experience. Right. So came, for example, with the strength stuff, some of the workouts were so hard, but I came to love them. Mm -hmm. I love the high, high effort. I will say that it took a lot of of coaxing for me to start enjoying low impact, like low level cardio. Mm -hmm. Um, I would see that on my workouts and I just skip them. I'd be like an hour of a one road biking, like, how boring. That's not even a workout. I'm not even going to sweat. What's the point. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it took my strength coach saying, okay, promise me you'll commit to it for a month. We're going to do a bike test now. And we're going to do a bike test at the end. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to show you what your level of output on the high end is in terms of your improvement 
by doing the foundational work, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I committed to that month. It was mind blowing in terms of the results. It's not like I can remember the specifics now, but I yeah, remember yeah. going, oh, that's why. Yeah. And so then I started all those low level cardios going, okay, Deer Valley Duels Day. That's why I'm doing these. Mm-hmm. And then it became kind of fun. Yeah. Right. So, so yeah. much of it, it's almost like those mind games that you play with yourself was, yeah. of, of gamifying life. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like for me, I'm such a fan. I never want to sound too mechanical when I say this, but of, of, of life hacks, like streamlining, like how do I make everything more efficient? Cause we only have so much time and mm-hmm. there's certain things I just only want to spend as much time as is necessary mm-hmm. on that thing and yeah. no more. Yeah. Right. And so when you're looking at those efficiencies, it's all about trying to figure out like, how do I, how do I hack the system? Right. Or for example, that thing at work, like I'll have whatever that is, it can be different um, case by case, right? Maybe um, a particular client call that you don't necessarily want to deal with or, or prepping for that meeting. And I always try to tackle like those first three big things that just have to get done that day first because otherwise they sit on my mind they constantly distract me I start it and then I hop to something else that seems more fun I go back to it I have to re remind myself where I was it's all inefficient and so really I even now block you know prep times in my calendar to make sure that I give myself the mental space and the dedication to that thing that I know I'm going to want to drag my feet on and just get it done because then I feel so much better. I'm way more efficient at everything else. And then I also don't end up having later than needed work right. nights when I want to be home with my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so blocking off, blocking off. So those are, what would you have a couple more uh, life hacks or, or habits that you would say um, have, have kind of helped you uh, along the way? I mean, I think uh, certainly looking at the world efficiently and trying to make things more efficient right. would definitely be a, a great way to go about it. Well, and I think some of it, I mean, I get this also sounds pretty basic, but I think is tougher in practice is really genuinely, genuinely asking yourself, let's say there's something that's kind of firing you up or bothering you. Mm-hmm. Like, do I have control in this situation? Mm-hmm. one being really honest with yourself because sometimes you really might and you might be being a victim to the situation right. or you really might not it might be something that really there's nothing you can do do to affect that outcome mm-hmm. so if you have something you can control going okay so what is that and just do it right one foot in front of the other once you once you find that mm-hmm. or if you really have no effect or no possibility to change that let it go mm-hmm. like there's nothing you can do. It's a total waste of energy. I'm not saying I do that every time, mm-hmm. but to just brew on something that you don't get to affect is pointless. Either affect, affect it or move on. Right. Control, control what you can control in there. Yeah. And then another one, um, and this is probably somewhat, well, maybe case dependent. I think it might be useful for people. So I have two littles at home. I have a three-year-old and a nine-month-old. My life is crazy busy and I end up feeling like I barely have time for myself. And so some of it for a while there, when I was first adjusting to being a parent, I wouldn't start workouts because I didn't know how much time I'd have. Maybe they were going down for a nap or I didn't know when I'd get disrupted or whatever that was. And now way more often than not, I just start and I've chosen to be okay with, you know, maybe I, maybe I set up to do a 30 minute Peloton strength workout Mm -hmm. and I get 10 minutes in and somebody needs me 10 minutes is better than nothing. Right. Right. And so really trying to focus on being realistic that at least what I keep telling myself at this kind of intense phase of parenting is life is a marathon. I'm not working out like I used to. I mean, for example, you know how I was saying, oh gosh, I was dragging on those one hour cardio sessions. What I would give to have an hour (laughs) by myself now of low level cardio. So it's just funny that perspective I think helps and just going, you know, do what you can with what you have. Yeah. And it's always, I think it's always better to start mm-hmm. and then see yeah. what happens. Give it a start. Now, are you somebody that likes to, like when it comes to creating your habits and everything else and you're building out your day or your week, I mean, how, how far in advance do you have things planned out? Do you book out like a month or is it like, okay, Sunday, I like to plan my week out 
and I want to tackle this, this, and this, or Sunday, you know, beginning of the month, this is kind of what my plan is for the month. I'll have it scheduled out, you know, take an hour, have it scheduled out. And then obviously those things will change. What, what kind of right. habits uh, help you to kind of stay focused on the, on the tasks and kind of what, what you need to get done? Great questions. So I would say first, at least once a year, my business partner and I sit down and really say, okay, what are our goals? for mm -hmm. this year and three and five years out, right? Okay. So you have that general roadmap. And okay. we do the same, actually, my husband and I on the personal side. And it's become something where it just pretty much always does make sense around New Year's because we're driving home from somewhere. Okay. And so we can really sit and say, what are our priorities? And we only really let ourselves have five or less for the year in terms of just because otherwise you just can't focus on that many things. Right, I don't think sure. so it's what are these goals for the full year so that then you can quickly go back and check on them and be kind of that far out in the future and make sure when you put one foot in front of the other that you're heading where you want to go. Mm -hmm. But then from there, I really start to go much more to let's call it monthly goals. And even that I tend to check in on things, but not set like different goals every month. Okay. In terms of my scheduling, I really like to, I really try to keep my Fridays open from many meetings. Of course, sometimes that's just not possible, but I try to not really fill my schedule with meetings so that at least that afternoon I can have really that catch up, clean up, wrap up afternoon, make sure, because throughout the whole week, I've, let's say, flagged emails that I need mm -hmm. to get back to. I flagged certain things that I know I want to do in that week. It gives me dedicated time to do that so that when I log off, my mind is done with work and I can really try to give myself that mental break so that then I have the energy to do it again. Right. Because right? Yeah. otherwise I find it very easy, especially, you know, some of that discipline really had to come about with COVID because mm -hmm. I'm working out of my home. And so it's so, and as so many of us are, and so it's so easy to bleed work life and personal life. Oh, I'm just going to log back in real quick and do this. I'm going to do that. Sometimes that's warranted and that's okay if it's a conscious choice, but right. if it's not, and it's just become your, oh, I'll just check my emails again because that's just what I do, because it's right here, <laughs> you know, I don't really want to do that. Um, so anyway, that's one where on Fridays, and I look at the week ahead, that gives me that time to go, what do I need to have kind of in my mind to be prepared starting Monday to dive right in, right? Mm -hmm. Then the only, I really do try to give myself then fully that break over the weekend. On Sunday night, I do check my email just to know, do I have anything that's like, Urgent. burning yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that I need to know I have to jump on Monday morning mm -hmm. um or do I just kind of have a more normal Monday yeah. let's call it mm -hmm. um so that's that's kind of the general structure for mm -hmm. my week no I think that that's I, I like the uh, I think that that's great you know it's always super interesting to hear how differently um a, a lot of the guests have uh their tactics for scheduling and uh, you know, some people have uh, post-it notes all over the place. Some people right. don't do scheduling at all. Some people just kind of have a right. daily thing like, all right, what am I going to take care of today? And right. so it's super interesting kind of just how, how differently people uh, decide to go about and, and attack. And it's, it's interesting right. that there's so many different ways you can do it, you know? Right. So it, it gives you, you know, you can, you can tinker, you can try like, okay, I'm right do it this way or, or try to change it around. And I've had calendars in the past. I do the count, like write down and that, that I, I'm not, I don't think I'm on board for that. I think either right. on the Google phone or, or just right. I definitely do more of like post-it notes and stuff like that yeah. for me so far, but I'm, I'm going right. to try the Friday for the next week. I'm going to give that one a go and I'll, I'll definitely get back to you and be like, okay, yeah, my Friday little look ahead. I'd love to hear that. Well, and you know, it's interesting too, because I think that, you know, typically, I guess in full candor, I don't, I don't at least personally necessarily believe you can be high performing in every aspect, right? It, right. Certain yeah. things are just going to slip through the cracks. Right. And so for me right now, I go, okay, top priority is that I'm like high performing for my family, right? Mm -hmm. I'm here for my kids and I'm making that, that's like top priority and then high performance at work. Right. So I have this joke, which you've experienced some from emailing me in my personal email, is that that's where emails go to die. <laughs> right. And I just have to 
be okay with the fact that if something's going to slip, it's in my personal email inbox. Like I just, I just can't keep up with everything. And I've learned, I used to carry kind of a lot of guilt with that. Like, Oh, I really do want to do that opportunity or I want to do this. And sometimes I just miss deadlines and I just, I have to be cool with that because in the scheme of my life and my priorities right now and my bandwidth right now, I remind myself that I'm sure there's going to be a time where my girls don't want to hang out with me. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe I'll get back to that, yeah. you know, but mm-hmm. for now I keep, everybody keeps telling me it goes by fast. So I mm-hmm. try and I'm not perfect at it, but to be really present or, you know, funny. Um, so speaking to kind of schedule and everything that you do, and it, it, just to your point, there's so many different ways you can do it. And there's mm-hmm. just kind of, there's a right way for you, for whoever that person is. And it's helpful to, I love hearing different thoughts of how people have made it work. And, but like for us, we have a whiteboard on our fridge okay. that is our, that's Graham and I's like life calendar, <laughs> even though it's in our phones too, it's really yeah. helpful for both of us to just see it right there. We plan yeah. out our meals for the week. Talk about another efficiency that at first I was totally dragging on, but is a game changer for me because trying to figure out what to eat or what to buy when I'm hangry, forget about it. Horrible idea. Right. Um, Yeah. That's honestly probably my biggest like personal life hack is doing that because it's just, it simplifies life so much on the, on the, on the personal side. But anyway, I just mean that it can be different work and home, right? Because at work, you're maybe navigating, like I joke, you know, my work wife, right? Like Mm -hmm. my business partner and I, we've got our system, right? And then Graham and I have our system at home, that's quite different, but it works because that's what works and the habits that we've gotten into. Yeah. No. And and it sounds like you really have a great uh, partner on the other end. And that's one of those unique things that you kind of have to figure out is, is the fit and Mm -hmm. fit can be very important when it comes to a sports psych or working with coaches or in your career, you have those great fits in your work life and home life. And it kind of, makes the makes the whole thing uh go around and work together and allow you to kind of perform where where you need to 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 get stuff done and be at your best yeah so well and gosh on that front it's so much about you know i remember hearing a long time ago that whole hire slow fire fast i'm not in a big hiring and firing role when i say that but just kind of the general thought of one thing that i've always kind of struggled with is i'm a people pleaser and so i i possibly stay in things sometimes too long as opposed to going you know this isn't working for me let's have a really candid conversation about should we keep heading down this road or should we you know part ways maybe that's a coach or whatever of of realizing too when potentially a relationship or a um an experience has run its course Mm -hmm. and possibly for so many reasons served a wonderful purpose in your life and that other person's life or whatever, but when it's time to kind of move on from things, because that's at least something for me, I'm such, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, or I don't want to, you know, and often you have those tough conversations, somebody's like, oh, great, I felt the same way, you know, it's, (laughs) anyway. (laughs) No, no, definitely, that is part of the problems of being a people pleaser, because I'm the exact same way, definitely always want to make sure everyone's doing okay, like, comes from like Mm -hmm. my, yeah, I think it, it definitely family, grandparents stuff like that everyone everyone doing all right you okay everything's good right so does everybody yeah. have food is anybody Every, thirsty is something exactly. do everything for everybody exactly. i haven't even sat down and talked yeah. to anybody yet yeah so when you go with the i'm curious on the on the meal prepping when you go through and do that is that like you cook like once oh, oh like is a is a week because i feel like that's got to be super time consuming and maybe i'm just looking at it totally ass backwards but i feel like going right. through and like prepping and going through all that stuff rather than, I mean, I I don't know. How do you prep that out? Yeah. So actually, so like anything else at first, it's kind of clunky and then it becomes your habit loop. So we actually, we found an app that works really well for us. It's called meal line. And it's something where you can select your meals for the week. It, it pre-populates your grocery list. You go through and just quickly check off all the things that you already have, right? Mm -hmm. Salt, pepper, oil, that stuff. And then you go to the store just for those items and you shop for the week. Like we shop for the full week on either Sundays or Mondays. Um, and then, but you cook each meal fresh that night. Some people definitely do like all their prep for the week. And I've never wanted to take like a Sunday 
to do that. Right. I really enjoy my weekends and my time with family <laughs> and don't want to cook all day. I like cooking, but, yeah. um, and that, that way also it's fresh. So for us, we pick kind of quick, they usually take 30 minutes or so mm -hmm. to make, okay. but you have everything yeah. for the week. Yeah ready to go and you've planned out when you're eating what based on kind of freshness and all of that super so that's how we do it no, and we always the thing is we at first we maybe i'm getting two in the weeds but we used to plan seven meals something always comes up during the week yeah thankfully oh, yeah. for us we're yeah. fairly social i mean obviously mm -hmm. covid was different but somebody's right. like hey do you want to come over and meet us here and we wanted to provide for that flexibility and um spontaneity mm -hmm. and so we just plan five four or five meals a week four, four, depending four. on the week mm -hmm. and then go we'll fill it in with something it's not like yeah. we have to know everything and be super like we don't live and die by our food yeah, calendar yeah. Yeah. but it helps so much it's alleviated a lot for us it was always like what should we eat and oh, that 100%. already started when you're hungry typically yeah. you know yeah. mm -hmm. and then it's like oh man neither of us want to decide and mm -hmm. anyway so yeah. it's been really nice. <laughs> no, not too far in the weeds. It's super interesting because, I mean, it definitely happens all the time with, with me and my wife. We'll definitely be sitting there like, what do we do for dinner tonight? We're right. Having a house. And it's like a random. And then you go to the store and then you're a little bit like hangry and you're like, oh, this looks really good. We could exactly. do that. And then it's just not, not exactly. As so, yeah, no, it's. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to. Meal well, and it's so funny because my husband had actually heard about this is now like over a decade ago that we mm -hmm. started doing this. And he's like, oh, we should do that. And I had this classic, like, we means me <laughs> response. And yeah. he actually was like, well, I guess kind of. <laughs> so anyway, we ended up, what's, what's worked really well for us is also realizing where our strengths are. Mm -hmm. And like, I tend to plan it out. He is not allowed to complain if mm -hmm. I plan it. And he right. usually goes to the store. And so you find those things, it kind of, you can look back and think it's pretty funny, but as you're evolving and kind of finding what works for you as a couple or in business or whatever, I mean, obviously we could be talking about so many other things than mm -hmm. food, yeah. but it's just finding your process that works mm -hmm. really well for you and whoever else is intimately involved in said decision and planning. Mm -hmm. And those are the things that I think are so valuable to what I'll say hack or, or streamline sure. because yeah. they're the things you deal with all the time. Mm -hmm. If that's a constant nuisance, then why wouldn't you do everything you can to get rid of that noise or frustration or whatever that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna look into that. <laughs> no, it's 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 definitely one of those things too, because I am the person that goes to the grocery store that will go to the grocery store with a grocery list, and then I will come home with item without items. I will forget items that I wrote on the grocery list. <laughs> like oh, I'm pretty sure I got everything. I'm not even gonna look at the list. Then I get back like, oh, well, oops, toilet. Forgot just the main like, course. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> oh my god, Jesus. Yeah, all we needed was toilet paper. Everything we, else was optional. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's one of those things, though, to try to to try to be more efficient and try to figure it out. I mean, I feel like there's so many more distractions, especially compared to what there used to be. Mm -hmm. and that little phone. I mean, I definitely spend a lot less time on my phone, which is a good thing, and I'm much happier. Uh, especially, mm -hmm. I think while COVID was going on, and you really had nothing else during the shutdown and and all that stuff, and it, it was really hard to kind of not be on your phone for a little bit. And mm -hmm. um, so it's definitely one of those things I've tried to make a, a conscious move here to spend a lot less time on it. And it has mm -hmm. been super, super nice. Um, and it's, it's, it's definitely, the thing is you need to do so many things on it, right? Yeah. Like, you know, trying to grow, help grow the podcast supposedly and all this stuff and that, like you got to, right. you know, push that stuff on your phone, social media, all that. So mm -hmm. it's, it's one of those things. It's definitely a, a, a double-edged sword. So mm -hmm. I've kind of done some re, you know, found some, there's some apps and stuff that you can use to like, hopefully plan out your posts and stuff like that. So hopefully it can yep. get to the point where you're not, you're kind of just send and go and, and can go about your day because, yeah. you know, as you're experiencing right now, um, in motherhood, like it's, it's, it's the year, what, what would you say? The years are, um, the, the days are, are long short, the, the, and the, the years are, are short. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's one of those things that it, it's so true and you gotta, you can't, you can't take back the, you can't get back the time, right? Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't get back that time. So it's. Which talk about COVID being such a reminder of that, right. And mm -hmm. what's important to you, like not seeing family and, you know, my brother, for example, has a son who's going to be one 
next week and I haven't met him. You know, yeah. it's crazy. And you realize just how incredibly important, like what your priorities really are, and what's mm -hmm. important in life to you, which is different for everyone. I mean, that's actually in some of the questions that you sent over before. One of my, I guess I'll say favorite things to really brew on or think about is kind of that definition of success, what success looks like to any individual person. Right. And, and I think COVID was a, another time of asking those kind of questions, right? What does a right. successful life look like to me? Um, and those are so, those are such personal decisions, but I think really knowing those things and what really makes you tick as a person are so important because otherwise it can feel pretty, blah yeah yep no definitely yeah it's 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 i mean this, like when i was starting this thing i was not planning on doing it over zoom and then uh life life happens you pivot and uh right. you're able to find these new uh these new avenues i mean how much mm -hmm. has it changed for you just in the past year with i mean not only not even be able to see family but i mean work-wise was that a mm -hmm. hard adaptation of like okay now you're in the work place at home with your kids right. and, I mean how how difficult of a dynamic was that for you I mean um to as you said before they kind of bleed over right you get a little bit right. of work kind of bleeding into to normal life yeah there were just absolute pros and cons and can that continues to be the case right I mean I would say that at first I mean fear of the virus itself set aside when okay. I say all this there was sort of this honeymoon phase of how nice it was not to commute Mm -hmm. Right. So I would get up and during my commute time, I'd go on a walk or run around the neighborhood before I logged in, which was something I didn't have the opportunity to do when I was um, heading into the office every day. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was great. Mm -hmm. And then when you log off, you know, my commute was five seconds, not even, I think that's, you know, a yeah. bit more than mm -hmm. it took for me to um, get back to my family. Mm -hmm. Right. So in that way, it was great. But I also found myself, um, kind of accidentally working more. I mean, it was also, so, you know, I'm in wealth management business. It was also a very intense time mm -hmm, in our sure. business based on everything that was going on financially. Yeah. Um, and so working with our clients and all of that was um, incredibly intense. And, and at some point you just have to right. just, you buckle down and you make, you return all the phone calls. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, now I was actually just speaking with a friend last night and saying, you know, the, the honeymoon phase has definitely worn off mm -hmm. um, in terms of I, I actually kind of miss my commute. I used to ride on my bike most mornings or it was when I caught up with my parents. So mm -hmm. I haven't talked to them as much because mm -hmm. you don't have that in between time where I could just right. um, catch up and have a little bit of my own time. Um, so, so much of it. I mean, I at least am somebody who's come to really think that that hybrid um dynamic could be really wonderful, at least mm -hmm. for me personality wise. And I think so much is case dependent. My house is quite small, um, which has made it, you know, I work in my bedroom. And so I spend, I think legitimately probably about 18 to 20 hours a day in one room between, I mean, obviously some of that I'm right, subconscious. Sure. <laughs> um, so I don't mean to be being dramatic about yeah, it, yeah, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, I mean, that's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, absolutely. So yeah, there's total pros and cons to it. And I think some of it's just, just learning the discipline and, and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's crazy to think. I mean, hopefully things are, are going to be start, starting to get back to, it seems, it seems to be trending that way. We seem to be getting really back does. to normal. So it'll be super, yeah. uh, super exciting to kind of see as that, as yeah. that continues to go that way. And yeah. I was actually just reading an article, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal on um, whether uh, people, uh, the efficiency at which they work at home is actually, at least in the, the studies that they've done is actually, they, they are more productive at home than they were in the office, even though their superiors and bosses think that they're slacking when they're otherwise. working from home, they think it's the other way, right. which is kind of a interesting. interesting yeah. Thing. Yeah. I can only speak to it anecdotally, mm -hmm. but I think that I'm at least the same, mm -hmm. if not a bit more efficient right. at home yeah. besides Fridays when my three-year-old is not in Montessori and then <laughs> it's a little crazy around here. <laughs> a bit of a free-for-all. You do your best. <laughs> so uh, one of the things I also wanted to, to touch on or talk to you about um, just throughout your career, um, athletically, business-wise, after sports, all those things. I mean, 
just a little bit of the the perseverance and uh, the kind of the dedication to kind of see through during the, the bad times when things are not working the right way and um, you're kind of struggling a little bit and if just just talk to kind of some of that perseverance that I really think that you you need to to really be successful um, in your own life. Yeah, um, man, I love your questions. I love I love pondering this stuff and and talking about it. And I think some for me, it's a lot easier to have perseverance when you know where you're heading, and you know what your goal is. Mm-hmm. And so it's when I've lost sight of that. Or when I've gone like, gosh, what am I even doing this for? Where it gets a lot more challenging to to ride out the rough spots, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there's always, that's dynamic in itself, right? Because, so I was a competitive mogul skier for 18 years, 10 mm-hmm. years on the national team. And there were several inflection points throughout my career, right? Where you say, is it time to hang it up? Or do right. I keep going? And each time, I think that's a really important check-in to know that you're not just having perseverance just to have perseverance because that's what you are supposed to do because you've committed for, you know, Mm -hmm. however long. Um, But once you have decided, okay, I'm in, Mm -hmm. right, then I find it so much easier to just do the work. You just, you wake up, you get done what you can, your head hits the pillow, you do it all over again. And I'm somebody who, if anything, is sort of a workaholic and just kind of pushes through pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Pros and cons of that personality, for <laughs> sure, right? It's right. Um, a strength and a weakness, like pretty much anything is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think really having that North Star is what gives me the strength to have perseverance mm-hmm. in the hard times. Yeah. It's going, okay, I it's okay for me to jump through these hoops and I'm willing to do this, even though this particular thing doesn't feel very important to me. Mm-hmm. It's because of that thing right. that I'm working towards that makes all of this worth it. Cause otherwise it's just busy work or it's just, you know, and then sometimes you ask yourself those questions and you go, no, it's actually just busy work. Like I just don't, I just should not be doing this. I just, mm-hmm. I don't need to persevere here. I actually need to, cut the cord, call it a loss, do whatever, and just go, you know what, moving on. Because I don't think that's something that you you hopefully have in spades across everything, right? It's that Mm -hmm. you have in the areas where it's important. And by not doing it everywhere, you have the energy to put that focus where it's best fit, best suited to have it, right? And not go, I have to be strong at everything Mm -hmm. or I just, you know, I think you have to have those natural oscillations and give yourself the grace to, to, to have them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think that that's definitely a a really interesting and good way to kind of, to think about it because there are the, you can't, you can't be perfect at everything or you can't be amazing at everything. And you do have those, those, uh, weak spots that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to work on. And and I think being able to kind of have that, uh, I think that's a, that's a good and and interesting perspective on the perseverance. And it's not just perseverance for perseverance sake to be able to be like, Mm -hmm. all right, is this, is this really worth it just because I've been for this long or is it time to exit stage left kind of able to know and, and understand that difference? Cause there is a difference. Huge difference, I think. And sometimes you're not going to know that right away. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes it might have to be something like, okay, I'm going to give this another totally arbitrary, but six weeks, I'm just going to commit. Like mm-hmm. I'm all in, I'm persevering for six weeks. Cause I really want to find out, is this really important to me? Mm-hmm. And then you'll have more beta by the end of that time and go, mm, it's not, or, oh yeah, this I'm on the right track here mm-hmm. and this is worth it. Mm-hmm. Right. So sometimes it's not like you're always just going to like, at least in my opinion, be able to like meditate on it for 10 minutes and figure it out. Right. <laughs> Sometimes things take longer than that. Meditation's great. That can help, but it's no. not gonna, not everything. We're in such a quick fix kind of instant gratification, um, society, let's say. And I think oftentimes those big things aren't, they're not that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Yeah. Well, and, and, I, I agree with you. And then it's also the fact you deal with so many different distractions when you're trying to make that decision. It's not mm-hmm. like you're just alone and you're mm-hmm. actually with your mind and you're kind of rotating through and kind of tumbling over your thoughts back and forth of, 
does this make sense or not? It's like, okay, you're kind of doing it while you're looking at your phone or you're distracted, you're listening to music or you're listening to that and this and that. And it's, it's kind of not really in your own little world actually thinking through and, and whether it makes the most sense. And kind of for you, when, when did you know in your athletic career and stuff that it was time like, okay, like I'm, I'm, I've persevered enough and I've reached the point where I'm yeah. happy with my performances and I'm happy with what I've done in my career. And it's, it's time to go to the next chapter. There were um, so many factors in that decision and it's an area of just huge passion for me thinking about athletes in transition. Cause it can be such a challenging time in life. You're really often kind of redefining yourself and, and figuring so much out. So for me, I feel like I was fortunate in that I had watched a lot of people before me that I was close with transition. Mm -hmm. And I had watched some transition in what I thought was most, you know, let's say in general, a really positive kind of good productive way. And then others who I thought maybe held on to sport longer than was probably prudent. I think that there is, it's very easy to stay in sport when you've done it for that long, mm -hmm. for I think a bit too long because mm -hmm. you don't know what else to do and it's scary to think right. about moving on. And so I had made a very conscious promise to myself that I would never stay mogul skiing just because I didn't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. I was very realistic with myself that I wasn't gonna know what I wanted to do mm -hmm. until I took the plunge and retired. Now that said, I was really fortunate on a couple fronts. One, my, my retirement wasn't forced upon me by an injury. I got to choose, which is hugely different. Right. Um, also, I was very fortunate that based on how I had performed for the team for the last many years, they were willing to give me a year to take a break and still be named to the team, but not take resources from the team and really see, was I burnt out or was I done? Like, mm -hmm. did I just need a break? Because I had been very fortunate. I had never had an injury that kept me from competition. So I had been competing for 10 years straight on the mm -hmm. national team, mm -hmm. which I, I realize how incredibly fortunate I am to say mm -hmm. that. Right. Um, so I get this is a really dynamic answer, but I think that it's a really dynamic decision, right? Sure. Um, another part of it for me was, as you know very well in our sport, um, there's, there's the breakdown in terms of the scoring, and they were changing that to where airs were worth even less, airs and speed, and turns were worth even more. They were going to the 60-20-20 percentage-wise of your score, and I am such a believer in progression. And I didn't feel like the sport was progressing in the way that I wanted to or nearly as quickly as I felt like it could. Yeah. And I had been beating my head against the wall long enough in terms <laughs> of really pushing that. Mm -hmm. um, and I know some of that, you know, I'm not a victim in that situation. I made right. my choices and that's just fine. But mm -hmm. the sport wasn't really heading where I felt like I wanted to participate in it. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to see more progression, especially on the women's side. Um, so anyway, there were a lot of factors and it got to the point where I wasn't willing to take the hits anymore. And I think yeah. when you do a sport like that, you have to be willing to take them and be willing to have those consequences mm -hmm. um, or else it's just time to yeah. be done. Yeah. I didn't want to go through another surgery. I didn't, you know, I wanted to have kids and I wanted to be able to pick them up and I wanted yeah. to be able to run with them and play with them. And it was just time. Yeah. No, I mean, you had an unbelievable career. And so, uh, it, it is, what were you going to say? <laughs> oh, just one other thing I want to speak to though, of what you were saying of, you know, I think some of it though, was coming to terms with the things that I never achieved in my sport that mm -hmm. I really wanted. And being willing to say, I really wanted those things and I didn't get them and I will never get that opportunity again. Mm -hmm. And I think acknowledging that and really letting myself feel that it wasn't this like I failed, mm -hmm. but I wanted an Olympic medal badly. I was very close in 2010. I was, you know, coming into the 2014 season. I was kind of, you know, I was at least highly considered mm -hmm. to have one of those medals. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, and I didn't, and I will always wish that I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Has it ruined my life? Absolutely not. I have a right. wonderful life. Has it, you know, any of those things, but I think some of it is, and it, it goes, it, it actually goes back all the way to kind of all that we've been talking about around the mental side and all of that is so much of the enjoyment. I mean, thank goodness I didn't just 
compete and train for the Olympics or for whatever. Cause that was under two minutes of my life total. Right. right? <laughs> you go, thank goodness you learn and really you better enjoy the process mm. of whatever you're doing because those outcomes, a lot of it's out of your control. Mm. You know, I'm the one who fell. I'm not also victimizing myself. I'm the one who crashed in 2010. <laughs> it was nobody else's fault. Like I'm not, yeah. mm -hmm. but it just, it just happened. Like right. it just is my story. Mm -hmm. Right. And so yeah. my story is there was more that I wanted to achieve in sport, but I'm really proud of what I did achieve. And I also knew I by no means had another four years mm -hmm. to give to that sport to try again. And I saw incredibly great female mogul skiers coming up like your wife, where I was like, nope, I'd rather cheer for you. See you later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't, I'd rather go out on top. Mm -hmm. or, yeah. yeah, I get I wasn't on top, but my top. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think, uh, it, it is one of those things and, uh, I, I, you absolutely had a great career and you, you, uh, look back and I mean, it's fun to, to look back on those moments and it really is about the ride and about the, the journey and those small moments. And you say, you know, those competitions, it's, um, 30 seconds. 30 second yeah. run a lot could go right a lot could go wrong right exactly <laughs> Usually happens uh, a little bit of both yeah exactly absolutely yeah. Well, heather uh thank you so much for taking the time mm. i really do appreciate it i know you uh you gotta run there um but i really do appreciate it and oh the uh charity today which we are going to be yes. donating to why don't we touch on that a little bit yeah, so I um, chose the Speedy Foundation, and it's so great that you're doing that. Um, it's a foundation that's really near and dear to my heart, obviously, with um, Jarrett Speedy Peterson and um, him taking his life. Gosh, it seems like forever ago now, but it, it just continues to be such a, such a pain point. Um, the mental side of things and they're doing some really beautiful work in terms of that. And I think that it's, it's powerful and important to continue to remember him and try to um, hope for as, as few of those situations as possible. We want to catch everyone before they get to that point. Yeah. So absolutely. tough stuff, but um, they're doing really, really beautiful work. So it's wonderful that you're donating. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. We'll have to do this again, hopefully in person, as we say, yeah. COVID's moving on. We'll do this again. It'll be, it'll be, I uh, would love that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, uh, thank you very it. much for taking the time and uh, thanks everybody. Thank you for having me. Bye. <laughs> Bye Bobby. Hey everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure to like share and subscribe. And if you're watching or listening on YouTube, please make sure you hit that bell button. So you get notified every time a new episode drops. Thanks.